Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you once again. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb Hatch. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm fine. Just fighting off this stupid cold still. Yeah, it's uh, lingering for you. You know, you go like what a year and a half without getting a, a real cold, and then you you catch a cold, and now you can't get rid of it. Yeah, it lingers most definitely. Just. Uh, I sound worse than I feel. Yeah, I say you've been saying that for several days. It uh, sounds worse than than how you're feeling, which is good. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, that is not how it feels for the people involved at Ed Carpenter Racing. What a segue there! Very nice. <laughs> uh, the Air Force will not return as the sponsor of the number twenty Ed Carpenter Racing IndyCar for 2022. Cutback is kind of the uh, understanding. It all goes back to budgets. And so Connor Daly's main sponsor for the Road and Street Course program, plus running the Indy 500, is out. And now Connor Daly and Ed Garpner and the team all scrambling to try to put something together. Now, first off, I'm just going to state the obvious. Anytime you have a change in administration, you would think these budgets would be reviewed. So I, I guess, unfortunately, I feel like that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And that's something that I'm sure undoubtedly comes into play here. Yeah. And on the IndyCar side, at least they have notice, but it's so late in the game with the season starting much earlier than normal that this will be tough to try to put stuff together now. Well, we thought the uh, the longer it went without any confirmation, the worse it was going to be. So um, it turns out to be uh, the case here uh, with, unfortunately, the Air Force. But, uh, yeah, unfortunate for i mean it doesn't hurt as much as fuzzy's vodka did but it's still you know you losing a big time sponsor like that it's gonna gonna hurt yeah and and while it was not a sponsor that covered the full-time cost of that entry i mean it was basically really close because they did the indy 500 plus road and street course races i mean I, i don't know what the dollar amount was Clearly in the millions of dollars. I mean, this is not a $1 million sponsor. You're probably talking, what, probably three or more? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I feel. I mean, it's a pretty significant loss. Connor obviously has some personal sponsors that he has used, and they've been on the car from time to time. But um, I don't know. As far as IndyCar goes, he said he has an Indy 500 option on the table. He's going to exhaust those options also mentioned a full-time trucks ride as a possibility. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but yeah, going back, you know, I looked this up, Caleb. The uh, the Air Force budget in 2022 is 212 or 212.76 billion dollars for the United States uh, in fiscal year 2022. If we say, let's say, five million, which is probably more than what the Air Force. But if they were going to be a full-time sponsor, let's say five million. Yeah. Five million of two hundred and twelve point seven six billion is uh, a let's see a thousand two thousandths of a percent. Wow! Of that budget, <laughs> it is point zero zero two percent of that budget. So I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I'm just saying just how minuscule that few million dollars is to the Air Force. Yeah, and, and that is a great point because we think about, oh, you know, several million dollars, that's a lot. But when you're talking about defense spending, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like me handing you a buck. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I guess if it builds, uh, you know, another uh, new fighter or something, I guess, you know, like, you know, goes towards that. I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to know whether the Air Force cut their, their, their spending sponsorship across the board or if this was just a uh, indycar only decision Uh, i haven't seen that anywhere i don't know if we'll ever see that anywhere i'm just kind of curious but it's bad news for ed carpenter racing yeah that's another good point about you know we know they're out of indycar but what does that mean for nascar and other forms of motorsports and you know other sponsorships even outside of racing obviously they're not going to cut all sponsorship that is not something they can you know afford to do i mean they're constantly recruiting right so they're gonna sponsor stuff it's just will they be in other forms of motorsport i think is the key question 
Yeah, and I feel like, you know, activation is is key for any sponsor, but in particular the armed forces. They love to have a little kiosk or two giving out information you know, at races when they're they're active. So if they're not seeing their return in that respect, then maybe that's a decision. But, you know, with COVID, you know, couldn't go to a race two years ago. You know, this past year it was still wasn't 100%. So I feel like maybe the Air Force could have given it one more year to see if it met expectations, but – they obviously made a decision that they feel they had to make. Yeah, and you know, with that, the flight simulator that you, that you see at racetracks. Yeah, that's not going to go be there. Unfortunately, so that, that's going to be a bummer. And and the, I think the, I'm going to miss the uh, the paint schemes. To be honest, the liveries. I mean, what they did for you know, they did what a, a red tails one. Yeah, that they was did awesome. A, a Tuskegee Airmen one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a Chuck Yeager one, right? With yep. the orange car. I mean, that was cool stuff. I mean, that's going to what I'm going to miss the most um, as an outsider is they had some pretty darn cool liveries. And I think the bummer is this comes on the heels of Connor Daly having, you know, his best any 500 performance. He led the most laps, led, what, 40 laps, a lot of exposure for the Air Force, and then they decide to pull it. I think that is kind of the ultimate bummer in all of this. Most definitely. And we're talking about, oh, IndyCar's in the upswing and more sponsors and more sponsors staying. You know, this is unfortunately a negative. And it's all part of the business, for sure. It just it hurts ECR because since Fuzzies, they've really been searching for that solid partner and sponsorship that, you know, at the very least would fully sponsor one car throughout the entire season, you know. Um, I just feel like it's been a struggle for ECR since they lost Fuzzies, and you know, hopefully they're able to recover from this and and field the amount of cars and potentially maybe a fourth for for the 500 that they planned. But this really hurts those expectations. Third for the 500. Yes, right? third. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like if they if they maybe field a fourth, a fourth that would be incredible. Yeah. So Connor Daly said uh, via Twitter, sadly this is true. We've had an incredible run together with uh, the U.S. Air Force, but sometimes the numbers just don't line up. Business is business. It's been an honor to represent for them. They reignited my IndyCar career. Still have a lot of things cooking for 2022. So that's his uh, kind of, I guess, statement, if you will, on all of that. And, you know, I mentioned his options, and one of them, uh, according to uh, Connor and according to um, in the article with Marshall Pruitt on Racer.com, full-time NASCAR truck racing and doing the Indy 500. However, Connor says his priority is staying with Ed if he can, and also he wants to be an IndyCar. I mean, it makes sense. He's an IndyCar guy. He wants to be an IndyCar. I I guess, to me, moving forward, we'll start with Connor's, you know, possibilities and then move over to Ed Carpenter Racing. Obviously, best case, they find the sponsorship. He returns at Ed Carpenter Racing after that, that's where things get a little bit murkier, though. I really don't know what other opportunities he has out there with the limited budget that he brings at this point. Um, I feel the, the seats that are open, you look at the majority of them, and they're waiting for a budget of some sort. So um, either a, a big sponsor has to come in for the team that allows Connor Daly to join him, or he needs to find a lot more money than he's been shopping around the last several years, I feel. I, I guess Carlin is that option you think of i think they would like to have connor daly in that seat but do they have the money to run him uh that's that's the big question that is that is the what four to six million dollar question yeah that's the (laughs) you know hey uh you know do you you know mr chilton do you want to front the money for us to run somebody else other than your son which i don't see that going well and you would expect we'd get an answer on that soon, right? I mean, they have to be nearing that deadline for, for Carlin. What they're going to do next year for IndyCar is Max Chilton back. You would think they need to know that here, what, by December 1st? Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. If you enter a new year with questions uh, in today's IndyCar landscape, you're in trouble. Because I feel like the last couple of years we've really entered – an, an an era where you better have your your stuff together uh come January because you know now we're racing in February this year um I know there's limited track time and testing time but you want to get that that those those tests in in January 
and get everybody together and start preparing for the start of the season. I feel if you're not ready Jan 1 with a, a, a lineup and, and solid funding, then you're in deep trouble. So, uh, I mean, hopefully by the end of this month, if not into December, we'll have some clarity with, with Carlin, but not just them, but it goes for everybody. You need to figure out what's going on by the end of this year or you're definitely behind the eight ball once you enter the new year. This from IndyCar Deep Throat, our insider. Connor, only speaking to Trevor, as in Trevor Carlin, about a possible ride part-time or full-time, but the big issue is still funding. Uh, per source, if Carlin can get a former F2 or F3 driver in that seat with some decent funding, Trevor would be willing to figure out a way to get Connor in the second seat. That wouldn't be bad. Um, I feel like if Connor at least has a shot to run the 500, it'd be good. I... I I wouldn't pass over trucks. I think, you know, he could really have some success in trucks. And if you can run trucks and still run the 500, more power to you. He's still young. Yeah, and he had some, I mean, I'm not sure how the results played out, but he had some good runs in in trucks over the past couple of years, you know, just doing that on a kind of a random opportunity basis. And rain well, in fact, I think he was running – what at Vegas, I think was that last year or two years ago was running like top 15 or something. And then he got taken out in a crash. I mean, he's shown the ability much like Sage Karam, you know, you, you go in, you have pretty much zero practice time, zero testing and you're competitive as Sage has done in the Xfinity series. Yeah, he did. He did pretty good, you know, all things considered. So he did what just that one race at Vegas last year. And did Vegas the year before, right? I think he's done the Vegas yeah. twice. Um, so I don't know if it would be with that Nice Motorsports that he's been racing for the last two years at that Vegas race or what. But um, if all else fails, as long as you got a 500 ride, cool. And, you know, truck, full time trucks, it's not a bad place to land, I feel. And this from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. Connor Daly says there's a chance. The Air Force could return for an Indy 500 one-off and asserts their IndyCar exit had nothing to do with his or Ed Carpenter Racing's performance as well as IndyCar trends. He said, quote, a government budget cut definitely didn't help us. And, yeah, I think that's kind of clear. That's unfortunately how these things play out. So we've looked at Connor's opportunities. I guess the, the question now is Ed Carpenter, what does he do? Obviously, if things work out, they'd probably keep Connor in that seat if they can find the funding and put it together. But after that, that's where the the question marks are. And I think, number one, they tested Ryan Hunter-Ray. He has to be an option. But without the Air Force, I mean, Ryan Hunter-Ray is not bringing much, if any, of a budget to the table. Yeah. And then we know they're interested in Kyle Kirkwood. He has a, a seat. And then they've also been interested in Oliver Askew. But as Marshall Pruitt said, uh, Oliver has something brewing that's not an IndyCar. At least that was via the uh, mailbag this week. So those are the names that have been thrown out there. Anyone else you can think of, Justin? Um, I I would think if he if he didn't have unfortunately have um, uh, you know just conflicts with other racing, I think Sebastian Bourdais would be great in that seat doing road and street courses. That's a that's a good name to throw out there. I mean. He's run for Chevy in the past. I don't know. Now, Ganassi, what uh, what program is that in sports cars? Because it was Ford GT, but that went away, is right? Is it LM, LMGP? It's not LMGP, is it? LMP1, LMP2. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of letters. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't understand all the We don't follow things. sports car racing. So. No, we don't. <laughs> but, yeah, that that is a good option. Again, budget sensitive, of course. But yeah. that would be a good option. You know, I'm going to throw this out there, and everyone's penciled in Malukas at coin, but would he switch? You, you know, uh, I mean, it seems highly unlikely because not, not Malukas, a, they're, they're both like Chicago area based people. I mean, you have coin based in the Chicago area, and Malukas, I think, is he and his, yeah, dad, like his a, dad's company, yeah. also Chicagoland based you know, company and, and family. So, I mean, it's a stretch, but I'm just saying that's another name you could throw out there. Well, I don't think you're going to pass up a full-time ride for a road and street course only ride. 
That's true. That's the only Especially thing with the there. ride that, I mean, you could argue that coin seat is as good as the 20-car partial season, right? You could yeah. argue it's better. I mean, it's better, but based on, on the expectations that were raised from last year, but you lost a driver and you lost a fair amount of engineering, so in a lot of ways you're starting from scratch for sure. But I still would take that full-time seat over a part-time. Renus VK already locked in in the 21 guard. That's not going to go anywhere. So that's where that stands as far as options for that other seat. And I guess now you wonder, do we get an answer on this by the end of the year because it's such a last-minute change? I don't think so. No, I don't. I, it'd be tough to know what a contingency plans they have for the near term to get this figured out relatively quickly. So that was the first bit of news in the last week. Unfortunately, that's the disappointing story. We were talking a few weeks ago how we haven't had it, and we thought, well, maybe Kirkwood not getting a full-time ride is <laughs> the disappointing story of the offseason that we inevitably inevitably wait for. But instead, it's a major sponsor getting out of the sport. Which I feel like that stuff happens all the time. They come and go. Fortunately, it's a loss for ECR and IndyCar, but it's not a, a, a massive exit, in my opinion. And the other bit of news that I think is pretty interesting. So we had heard rumors about Stoffel Van Dorn uh, getting an IndyCar test with McLaren, what, like over a month ago? But yeah. there was no, I mean, and they had kind of, that had been teased, you know, in, in media outlets, but there was no kind of timeline for how this would play out. So we got official announcement. Uh, that Van Dorn, along with Nick DeVries, the 2019 uh, F2 champion and 2021 Formula E winner, they'll participate in a test date December 6th at Sebring. And you have DeVries with Meyer Shank Racing and Stoffel Van Dorn with Aaron McLaren SP. So it'll be both their first, you know, maiden F1 test. Now, this, uh, my understanding, IndyCar kind of part in brokering this right i mean they kind of had something behind the scenes um well it's an evaluation day um test opportunity which it sounds like i don't know if this is new for indycar but it's basically if you want to evaluate a driver you don't have to use a test day for that as long as you're putting new drivers in the seat so um from what i understand okay if you had a test day Normal test day can be used for new or current drivers. Now you have this evaluation day that is just testing for prospective new drivers. And both uh, Errol McLaren SP and Meyer Shank Racing are taking advantage. So, and the reason I think why this is notable, so the Mercedes EQ, which is the Formula E team, they're ending that program after next season so at the end of 2022 that uh, program is shutting down so again these are not people to keep on the radar for next year these are people to keep on the radar for 2023 and the fact that Meyer shank racing which has you know a liberty media has an ownership stake in and liberty media of course owns formula one i guess it just raises more eyebrows with this deal coming together and these two are both committed to the 2022 Formula E schedule? That is my understanding. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think both are looking towards the future. So when you look at Meyer Shank and, you know, potentially, uh, you know, going into 2023, <coughs> could they add one of these? And we know Errol McLaren SP wants to expand to three, maybe even run a third at some select events in 2022. Um, could Stoffel Van Dorn be that guy when he's available that runs some of those races? So I'm looking at the driver chart. Uh-oh, the driver chart. Yes, for Formula E. I am not seeing uh, either of these names on the uh, driver chart for this uh, current season. Hmm. So... I don't know what that means. I mean, the, the season hasn't started, and Mercedes hasn't you know, confirmed their drivers. They are leaving Formula E after 2022. That is yeah. the thing that we know. But I'm not seeing their names on there. So I, I would imagine this is with eyes on 2023. Not yeah. saying either one of these wouldn't be in an IndyCar race, at least one 
next year, 2022. But I feel like this is to gauge their interest to fill potential full-time positions in 2023. I would think, I mean, Nick Nick DeFries, I mean, defending champion, you would think he would have a ride confirmed for uh, next year. So, I mean, they're, they've done uh, the Formula One tests, both, both of them. Obviously, Van Dorn raced in Formula One at one point uh, with McLaren, but they did testing in December 2020 in Formula One for the uh, Mercedes team for the young driver test. And Van Dorn is a reserve for the Mercedes team. Uh, or no, sorry, DeVries is. Um, so that's where that stands, I guess. I wonder, like, what 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 do they have for next year? You would think they'd be back with the, with the team, I, right? I imagine I think they're gonna, both going to be filling those Mercedes EQ seats just for some reason hasn't been announced yet. But they're under Mercedes contract for 2022, even if they're not on track. So mm-hmm. even if both of them wanted to join IndyCar full-time for 2022, I don't think contractually they can. Yeah, and that that kind of explains it a little bit better than than I could come up with <laughs> because I'm not really seeing anything. I mean, reading these articles, uh, again, they wouldn't be available talking about Van Dorn for full season until 2023, but that's because the McLaren seat, that third seat, wouldn't be available until then either. Yeah, but I think it's, you know – Let's gauge your interest. Let's see where you're at. You know, maybe we can find a couple races for you to uh, to get acclimated in 2022, and then attack this thing full time in 2023. But um, it's uh, I would like to see more teams use this evaluation day test opportunity because it can absolutely bring some interesting names to the table. So, in a week where we're starved for anything to talk about, this is something that we can really sink our teeth into. Do you think? I mean. I don't think. You, well, <laughs> yes, that is true. But do you think the connection with Liberty Media and, and their stake in Meyershank Racing and just you know them trying to increase the F1 footprint in the U.S., which obviously they have done to great success, due to Drive to Survive, but also, let's be honest, it is more than just that. Right. We all know that. Do you think, though, that they're also going to push guys who can't get and gals who can't get seats in Formula One, instead of having them wait around as, you know, reserve drivers, test drivers, that sort of thing, push them into IndyCar opportunities. I feel like we're kind of seeing that, maybe not from a liter- Liberty Media standpoint, but with Alpine and, and Lungard. Right. Um, I feel this is where the teams uh, are in Formula One. Not all of them, but they're starting to see a pattern. Is They have to find another way to hold on to drivers when they don't have a seat for them that don't have money. And I think you're seeing the trend pick up to where IndyCar is an option to run those guys for a year or two that otherwise would leave the team and go on over their own. So let's take Alpine, for example, and say, okay, if we want to hold on to this driver... He doesn't have enough money to run F2. Um, so what can we do to accommodate him to hang on to him a little longer in case an opportunity arises in Formula One? I know we can keep him under contract. We can offer, you know, we tell him, hey, go go see what you can find in, in IndyCar or overseas somewhere else. We'll throw some money that way. We'll keep this relationship going. And maybe in a year or two, something will open up as opposed to, F2, you have no money. We don't want to sponsor you anymore. We were so you're on your own. So maybe that's a thing with Mercedes. Is could Mercedes look to this and say, okay, we're seeing what Alpine's doing. We have all these drivers. Um, particularly when you look at uh, Devry, is it Devries? Devries? I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to pretend to know. For I'm going to sure. say Devries for now, and I'll mm-hmm. be wrong, but. If, if Mercedes is going, okay, maybe this is a way to hold on to this kid that has a lot of talent and has been over, you know, uh, overlooked or, or you know, not valued in the Formula One world, but he is getting kind of old in the tooth in terms of Formula One. 27 is like the new 57 in Formula <laughs> One. Yeah. So maybe it's a way for Mercedes to accommodate and, and, you know, maybe hold on to this kid a little longer. So 
I really, long, you know, long story short, I think Formula One teams are going to find the value in quote unquote loaning drivers out to IndyCar if they don't have a seat in Formula One and, and even Formula Two, because I think more and more drivers are starting to see through the test driver, reserve driver facade that, look, you're not getting hardly any opportunities to drive a car. And that isn't helping your career whatsoever. And, and the pay to play of that setup yeah. is, is, you know, yeah, you get the official team gear and you, you, you know, all of that. But if you're not getting seat time, what's the benefit? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, 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 we, we dangerously delving too much into Formula One here, but for how much these teams are getting from the series and from sponsorships and stuff and how much they have to invest in technology and development, you think they would invest in drivers, um, not just their two, but also their others. And some teams do it, but some teams don't. And uh, when you don't, you tend to lose them. And I think more and more drivers are seeing that. And and I think once you have a Colton Herta or somebody go from IndyCar to Formula One, it's going to change it even more because you're going to see more drivers then leave the ladder to Formula One to come over here knowing that there's a way to get back into Formula One. And I think that's partly the reason why F1 would rather not allow or not have a, an IndyCar driver in the series because it opens up that pipeline that right now doesn't exist. Yeah, and we haven't seen an IndyCar driver uh, go from IndyCar, well, in this case it was Champ Car, uh, to F1 since Bourdais went and did, like, what, a season and a few races with yeah. not Alpha Tauri, but then Toro Rosso, and it did not really go well. And, again, that's not a great seat. However, he was competing with, I believe Vettel was in the other seat. So it makes it difficult to, to try to compete in that nature. And Bourdais came back, did a handful of races, did, you know, road and street course stuff, then did full time and reestablished his career as, as one of the kind of IndyCar legends, if you will. Most definitely. But wow, I mean, full agreement right there. Yes. I, just, I teed it up for you. <laughs> um,. Yeah, you love that Legends word. So many people do. But in terms of this, it's it's good. It's it's two other really t- ultra-talented drivers that would add to the field, uh, most definitely. Two names to watch, and very interesting to see uh, that test coming up in a couple weeks. You know, also, I just find it interesting that it took unprecedented times for <laughs> that pipeline from Europe to IndyCar, you know, really move into to high gear with Grosjean coming over. And then, of course, we're going to have Lungard and Eilat uh, full-time for next year. I think that's that's something you keep an eye on. And I, I think, in all seriousness, I think with Lungard and with Eilat, you know, there will be a lot of people in Europe watching to see how they adapt, how they do, you know, what they have to say about IndyCar because I think a lot of these drivers are going to see IndyCar as a much more viable option than they ever have because they don't want to keep sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, and I think we're already seeing that in terms of the, of, of the talent coming over. And I think it's just going to be a, you know, maybe it's a trickle now. I think it becomes a steady stream. It's all about seats, and there's more to be had in IndyCar for less money than there is over in Formula One. All right, some driver announcements, driver news. First off, shout out to a friend of the show, Josh Green. Hey, hey. As he is advancing to Indy Pro 2000 and uh, returning to Turn 3 Motorsport for 2022. Congratulations to Josh. We'll have him on sometime this offseason. Talk about his 2021 and his prospects for moving up in the ladder. And then Daniel Frost, who was with Andretti, I believe, this he past was, yep. year in Indy Lights. He is now the first driver. Uh, confirmed for HMD Motorsports for 2022. HMD says to expect more driver announcements in the coming weeks. I would expect, what, four cars probably with that team again? I would imagine, yeah. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. And then when you look at um, some of the other rumor items, first off, this uh, another one from uh, IndyCar Deep Throat. We've been wondering this for some time. Marcus, Marcus Erickson, is he confirmed? Is he not? You know, it's kind of unclear. 
IndyCar Deep Throat says, per source, Marcus Erickson's deal has been done for a while now. They're still waiting on a couple of sponsor confirmations. Interesting. So well, that was you're always very concerned about that one. But, well, it's uh, just it's just kind of bizarre that it's kind of crickets around a guy who won a couple of races and was what fifth in the championship. Yeah, I mean this is a, a prime guy that you would think if he's available, other teams would be inquiring. But since it seems to be quiet on that front, I would think it's safe to say he's staying at Ganassi. But the whole sponsor confirmation thing that does kind of lead me to wonder. How firm are his sponsors? Yeah. <laughs> is is yeah. he really set? I mean, no news is always bad news in auto racing. Yes. And the the more it's silent, the more it makes you wonder what is truly going on uh, with that. So that's another thing on the uh, rumor mill on the driver front. Pretty quiet, like you said, but another thing to keep in mind for uh, next year. Okay. So we had... Uh, uh, another interesting note we mentioned Bourdais and so I wanted to throw this out there from the uh, mailbag and Marshall Pruitt saying that uh, Bourdais had one or more opportunities to sign with Ganassi while at coin but Dale refused to let him go by taking up his option for the next season even when he was asked repeatedly to let him move on by not taking up the option the option was taken he was back with Dale Coin Racing um Kind of goes on and on about, you know, Seb racing for the Ford uh, Gadassi IMSA team and all that back and forth. But uh, the 10 seat was open in 2019, was ultimately filled by Felix Rosenquist because Coin wouldn't let Seb move on. Coin that cub cut Seb at the end of 2019. And of course, we all know what happened after that. He didn't really have a ride to go anywhere. Uh, but that is wild. So we finally have the answer, you know. Did Bourdais ever truly have an opportunity for a quote-unquote big three seat in IndyCar again after coming back from F1? He the did. answer is yes. Yes. And unfortunately, we never got to see it happen. Unfortunate. And, uh, you know, going on with that, Marshall Pruitt, you know, mentioning probably no uh, no love loss between <laughs> yeah. Dale Coyne and Sebastian Bourdais after denying him, you know, for year after another year and then basically just ditching him when a seat wasn't open at Chip Ganassi Racing. And then uh, more on Tatiana Calderon. Um, again, we mentioned her as a possibility for Foyt uh, due to her ties with sponsor Rocket. And uh, another article, this from motorsport.com. Calderon says third season in Super Formula is unlikely. And uh, IndyCar is uh, mentioned, but she does say it's not really up to me where I will race. It's more up to Rocket. I'm really happy they're supporting my career, and we'll decide what's best for both of us. I think in the next two to three weeks, we'll have a clearer idea of the options for next year. So I would think we'll have an answer on what will happen uh, with her and her IndyCar possibilities here very, very quickly. And we, we keep seeing her name kind of thrown around as a possibility for one of the Foyt cars, probably not full-time, but a, a partial ride. And I think we'll finally get our answer here before Christmas. I think it's coming soon, yes. I think that's a, a team that I feel, feel will be set entering the new year. So uh, Calderon told Motorsport.com with possible options in IndyCar and WEC to consider for 2022. Suzuka may have marked her final Super Formula outing for the time being. So that is the update there. And we're just... Updates on updates. That's where we're at right now in the offseason. <laughs> we are it, digging it, it's, deep. It's for, getting old. Yeah. Also, Jimmy Johnson returning to the race of champions. He'll team with Travis Pastrana, Team USA. That's a cool promotion. And uh, according to Nathan Brown of the Indy Star, this is something a lot of people are curious about. Uh, I've been told Meyer Shank Racing will again have a technical alliance with Andretti Tech and uh, Andretti Autosport for 2022. Very nice. Which, if I'm Andretti, I, I, I guess I would want to keep it going because yeah, they because have the, the secret sauce for Indy now. Well, yeah, I think Meyer Shank, I think Andretti right now is the junior team to Meyer Shank Racing. I mean, maybe I mean the driver lineup is, <laughs> is solid. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, they got Indy success. So uh, I'm, I definitely feel like Andretti is benefiting more from this than they were when it first started. That's for sure. Oh, I, I would agree completely with that because it, it just it, it seems like 
they're getting great stuff, and Andretti is, you know, not not yeah yeah <laughs> not but all like not being taken advantage of. But they're just I mean they're not. You would think they'd be benefiting more. Yeah, you would think, and maybe they are benefiting, and it's just called money. But <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd want more than just that. You, you want to see results on on track as well. Okay, last topic. Uh, Justin, before we get to the mailbag and some other items of note, it's a big one. David Wilson says Toyota has no current plans to enter IndyCar, says would have to be in planning now to be on the 2023 grid. That's according to Jenna Fryer of the AP. Well, that stinks. Every time we, we think IndyCar Just is close. Just when we think we get close. <laughs> and, and they happens. pull us back in. Yep. Every yeah, time. Pull us back in with the next rumor, for sure. Uh, first, you had us with, uh, what, Alfa Romeo years ago. Oh, man. And then you had us with Porsche. Then you had us with BMW. And then you had us with Audi. And even now, Audi, I guess you could put that one back in the fire now. Yeah, you know? put Audi back in there. Um, and then you, then you had us with Toyota. You know, throw out Mercedes. I mean, yeah, I, I, I still feel... I don't know what I feel about third OEM. I feel like we get there at some point, but uh, there's no magic bullet for sure. It's like we were we were both very confident they would have the third OEM announced. Yes. And no. now... We were thinking by the end of the year. Yeah. End of this year, and there's no way that is happening. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the end of 2022 either at this point. Yeah, I mean, you start off and... Maybe by the Indy 500, but that seems like a stretch because they wouldn't be able to compete in 2023 anyway, unless they've done some sort of secret development behind the scenes that no one's aware about. Super secret development, which, you know, you never put that past Roger Penske. That's true. You know, maybe uh, there's just a a Penske car. Yeah. Hey, in in Penske we trust. Yes. Okay. So uh, with that, we'll get to the mailbag on this abbreviated episode because, quite frankly... It seems like uh, the teams are ready for the holidays. Yeah, I think they are. <laughs> um, limping to the holidays, most definitely, in terms of news. All right. So before the mailbag, though, uh, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, do us a favor, sign up for our email list. You can subscribe for free. You'll never miss an episode that way. Also, check out the store as well. We still have stickers for sale for you. And... You can interact with us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us. Just search for New Track Record. And you can email us as well, Podcast at gmail.com. And follow us for free on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you are so kind, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you're very kind too kind Mm -hmm. write us a review that would be much appreciated all right it's time for the mailbag and we have we have some stuff to get to all right so uh let's start off this from daguerre d-u-g-e-r-r-e-h on twitter okay re the discussion any 500 verse championship why not make the 500 a non-championship race not a word regarding the championship would have to be said throughout the whole month of May, but it would get all the focus afterwards. I don't hate it. I don't um, either. It'll never happen. No. But I I like the idea. I mean, I think we got to go back to regular points for the 500 before we worry about no points for the 500. But, um, I, I, yeah, I don't hate it. I just don't think it ever happens. Yeah, I, I would agree. Also, Daguerre with this one. Uh, Audi third OEM in IndyCar. <laughs> this <laughs> after the uh, McLaren denying a report claiming it has been purchased by Audi. Yeah. Uh, just don't keep. I, I just don't want any OEM talk for the rest of 2021. <laughs> I need to decompress from once again being let down. So we can talk about international races next uh, episode. <laughs> I'll take international races over OEM for a while. Okay. Uh, this from Poet Shevchenko. Uh, this is on the poll. Who will drive the 20 car on road and street course races uh, next year for Ed Carpenter Racing? 72% of you said Ryan Hunter Ray. 
15% said other, 13% said Connor Daly. Poet Shevchenko says Francesco Draconi makes his <laughs> triumphant return, and the ECR pit crew holds the strike. <laughs> That's great. Haven't heard that name in no. uh, a few years. Since the last time he raced. Yeah, which I, I think that's for the best. <laughs> R. Cole says, uh, Milka Duno is still unsigned for next year with the, the, the thinking emoji. Mm. I don't know. I mean, is Sitgo and... Yeah, Sitgo. They still have funding. I mean... Hey, well, if you lose their Air Force, you got to come around. Maybe Sitgo is ready to get back into it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this... Okay, another OEM talk. Sorry, Justin. Uh, this Figures. from Y to F not, and it's T E H. So uh, I like the username. <laughs> that confirms it. Mercedes to IndyCar is a fourth engine manufacturer. That, yep. In regards to the uh, Mercedes EQ team drivers getting that IndyCar test. And Alfa Romeo and all the above. Renault. Yep. They're Opal. All yep. Citroen. Porsche. They're all coming over. Uh, Maserati. <laughs> Lancia. Lancia. <laughs> they don't even exist anymore, I don't I think. I don't think so. Yeah, Lancia. Let's get Lancia. Uh, what? Maybe they do. I don't think they do. Uh, it's, Lancia is an Italian car member manufacturer. Oh, okay. I Still exists. So Saab does not exist. I know that. Saab? Yeah. They're they're defunct? They get well, as up? far as cars, yes. Okay, do they They're make more like, uh, like aero, yeah, gotcha. airplane engines, defense stuff. I kind of did a deep dive on Saab the other day. I don't know why, but had hey, me cool. had me fascinated. It's making fighter planes. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. They're uh in portable anti-tank weapons. Dang. Yeah, they're they're in some some heavy so they're industry. They're in some military <laughs> stuff now. This from coach underscore Eckert. Neither Coin or Carlin have announced a lineup according to my play at home grid. Is this concerning? Lots of quality floating out there. Not for Coin. Yeah. I would say yes for Carlin. Yes, I, I would agree. I think for Coin, we continue to hear Sato in one seat and David Malukas, the rookie who finished runner up in Indy Lights this past season, in the other seat. He brings a lot of funding. Obviously, Sato kind of depends on what money he gets from Honda of Japan. I think that's why they haven't announced all of that. But if he gets the reduced engine lease, plus his sponsors that he brings, I mean, that lineup I think would be really strong if that's what it is. Yeah. Now, if Sato doesn't get, you know, that reduced engine lease price or whatever from Honda, then I think, you know, that could be someone else in that seat and it'd be someone we've never heard of. <laughs> I think what's holding it up is um, it's that Honda coupon that Taku, mm -hmm. he can't find it. It's at his house. It's it's to get the money off. Um, it's He went through the laundry or it's in a couch. So they have to find that, cush, that coupon before Sato finalizes that deal. And the other thing with that team, you know, the partnerships, Rick Ware Racing, Vassar Sullivan, where do those stand for next year? I think those are other question marks because it would not be surprising at all to see HMD uh, partner with coin. If Malukas is in that uh, other seat. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this stuff will be worked out by Christmas. Yeah. Well for on the coin side. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if it's Malukas and Sato, yeah, I, I think we'll see that announced in the next few weeks. Now, Carlin, the, the other part, yeah, that's where we're concerned because, well, we don't have a clue just like everyone else. Nope, we do not. I mean, do they and run one car, two cars, no cars, merged with Hunkos? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? And who knows if they know at this point? <laughs> that, that is true. So that is the mailbag. Thanks uh, for sending us your tweets. You can also, again, send us emails, Facebook messages, uh, carrier pigeon, snail mail, 2915 Maples Road, Fort Wayne, Indiana is the address. <laughs> if you want to send us a letter, uh, please don't lace it with some sign, some sort of, uh, what, what is like the Anthrax? Thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what, what am I trying to think of? Please don't do that. But uh, that is how you can reach us, and that'll wrap up the mailbag. We'll get to news and notes. A few items to get to. Not a ton. This is not a surprise. 
Uh, but Elliot Castroneves will be the IMSA endurance driver for next year with Meyershank Racing. I mean, this is kind of a duh, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> who else? Who else would you have? And from a uh, former sports car teammate of Elio's, Alexander Rossi, he's competing in the Baja 1000 currently. So that will be something uh, we'll get an update on, you know, by next episode. Obviously, that is a fascinating race. Baja, California, the, that yeah. Ridgeline, Honda Ridgeline off-road Definitely. truck. Remember that video clip? Was that like two years ago? He was racing Baja and oh yeah, he, he like almost hit a... Another car. Hit another, another car. car. He like yeah. jumped over it. <laughs> yeah, but it could have been catastrophic. Yeah. Yes. Remember that? It's crazy. That uh, viral clip. So hopefully he doesn't have any uh, scary moments like that this year. Okay, some other things. The Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Two things there with that. First off, presented by RP Funding. That is the now official name. And it's not Roger Penske Funding. That just... It, Get that joke out of the way. <laughs> um, RP funding. And I'm not going to pretend to know what RP funding is. So, so you're I'm, saying it could be Roger Penske. No, it oh. it's not. Um, RP funding. And I'm trying to find. They're a direct mortgage lender. The primary focus on servicing Florida residents. So there that, you go. that is the update on RP funding, which is so not So it's Roger. like Ruoff. Yeah, but the Ruoff of Florida. Yes, and then they also have their three-day tickets on sale now, gpstpete.com. Excellent. As in G-P-S-T, and then the name Pete.com uh, for tickets there. And speaking of uh, IndyCar Race Weekends, hyvieindycarweekend.com. They already have a website up, and it has a lot of information, ticket info, more details, a weekend schedule. Obviously not broken down session by session, but... What? We don't know when the first practice is of the season? No. Dang. No, but uh, HyVieIndyCarWeekend.com, the website for IndyCar's return to Iowa. So it's cool that we already have some promotion going on with that event that is still, what, eight months away? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of time before that event. And but, uh, let's see. This question was interesting to me, Justin. What you got? IndyCar on NBC tweeted, who's the most underrated IndyCar series driver? In the series now? Yes. Underrated. Um, underrated driver. I would say, man, I dog all these guys. Um, I guess we can't say Alex Pelot, we won the championship, but... <laughs> I'm gonna I mean, say you, Alex, you can. I'm going to say Alex Pillow. That's funny. I'm going to choose his teammate, Scott Dixon. Okay. <laughs> and and everyone's probably groaning or, you know, you guys have the worst takes. But, I mean, look, Dixon's always there. And, I, I, I mean, I don't feel like he's a driver that gets a lot of hype, right? I mean, he's respected. Well, are you talking within IndyCar or within the sports realm or public image? I mean, he's respected in IndyCar, but sports realm, no. Like, no one even knows who he is. Right. I think he's underrated because he is a supreme talent that's been at it for 20-plus years now, and he's still one of the best in the game. I feel like he's one of those drivers um, that as much as we value and respect over the course of his career, you really don't get the full uh, understanding of how good he is until he's gone. Yes, and and while I feel like the easy comparison in football, American football, Tom Brady, I mean, we all know he's one of, if not the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL, and we're aware of it, and we're seeing it happen in front of our eyes. I think with Scott Dixon, yeah, like in the back of our mind, we know that as yeah. far as IndyCar, but you don't really think about it on a week-to-week -week basis because – you, know, you just take it not, for granted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfectly said. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it'd be something you we look back and and uh, admire once he's retired. Is going man, especially if you know over the next ten fifteen years nobody comes close to what he's done. Which I don't see how they can. Yeah. I mean the numbers are really hard to 
to stack up to. And you, you're saying Pillow. Uh, yeah, I feel like that. Um, uh, I mean, underrated because I, I go back to IndyCar marketing that they've done absolutely nothing to get Pillow out there. Um, but I still feel like when we enter the season in February, are you going to, let's see, are the majority of people going to consider him a series championship contender? They should, but I don't know. I, I can guarantee you they're going to put three or four names in front of Pelo. Pato, Herda, Dixon. Garden, Dixon. Yeah. Maybe then Pelo. Yeah. I mean, in terms of who you and I are pick, picking right now, who are you picking for the top three of the championship? Top three contenders next year. Newgarden, Pato, Herta. So you're not putting Alex Pillow in there. No. I don't think I'm putting Alex Pillow in there either. So I would consider that underrated, considering he's the defending series champion. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty simple explanation <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you put it like that. Uh, but go. anyway, interesting question. And one other news item PureTech USA has been named the official hose supplier of the NTT IndyCar Series and IMS. Again, PureTech, that name is familiar. They sponsor Matthew Brabham. They did. The 8500 in 2016. And I believe they've sponsored some drivers in NASCAR as well. Now, to make it clear, H-O-S-E. E. Yes. Yes. Hose supplier. Correct. Okay. And that's news and notes, so we're already ready for your random split area driver of the week. Yes. All right. We we were in cart last week, so we're gonna go cart again. We're gonna we're gonna double up on cart here. Um and we're gonna go Mr. Eddie Lawson. Hold on. I think that name actually rings a bell. Does it? Yeah. What year? Nineteen ninety six. Okay, I know. Mr. Eddie no, Lawson. I, I, I don't know. It, it just sounds like <laughs> a familiar a name. For a second. It, it sounds raced, like a familiar name. He actually raced 10 races in 1996 for, uh, what is it, Gales? Gales Racing? Gallus Racing? Gallus Racing. It was for Rick Gallus. Um, let me start here. Top actually has a considerable Wikipedia. Uh, he's actually a four-time Grand Prix motorcycle racing world champion. Mr. Eddie Lawson. And here's uh, his record of not crashing and consistently finishing in the points earned him the nickname Steady Eddie. Wow. How about that? Was Eddie Cheever's also name also no. Steady Eddie? No. Okay. Didn't I think don't so. think so. Um, but uh, yeah, once again, raced uh, 10 races in 1996 and finished sixth at the U.S. 500. I mean, a lot of that went to attrition, but you know. Finished sixth, which is top finish. Also was sixth at Detroit, at the Grand Prix of Detroit that year, and uh, seventh at Surfers Paradise, and ninth at Long Beach. So uh, Eddie Lawson wasn't too shabby. Actually raced three years in Indy Lights, uh, leading edge motorsport for two years part-time, and then uh, Tasman Motorsports in 1994 raced him full-time. Actually won the race at Cleveland. And probably is a big advocator for the return of Cleveland. But uh, let's see elsewhere. What else did he do? Big once again, big Moto GP guy again. Won four championships um, in uh, Moto GP. Wait, in Moto GP or, or in... in motor? What is this? What am I looking at here? Usually it's titled. Um, yeah, it's it's not clear. It's not. Uh, Five hundred really CC class. In these it's racing, his Grand Prix motors motorcycle racing. Yeah, so it must be the precursor to MotoGP. Uh, yeah, I think so. When did MotoGP? Now, MotoGP was inaugural season was 1949. So the current top division is known as MotoGP since 2002. Okay, that's why. So there you go. Prior to that, the largest class was 500 cc. So yeah, he's basically a four-time MotoGP champion. So he's kind of like. He was a, a Valentino Rossi yeah, before Valentino Rossi, who absolutely you know, just retired. And remember, Rossi tested like an F1 car, but this guy actually made it happen and, and raced an IndyCar. Actually, his career and MotoGP, we're just going to call it MotoGP because we can. It's a precursor, but was before his open wheel racing career. So four four championships in this 500 cc championship uh, from won his first title in 1984. 
last title in 1989. His final year of 500cc racing was 1992, and that's the year that he started in Indy Lights. So jump from motorcycles to open-wheel racing, uh, three years in Indy Lights. 1995 was nowhere to be found. And then 1996 races, 10 races for Gallus Racing in the Lola chassis with the Mercedes-Benz engine. Okay, so I was actually confused because so this was kart that he was competing in, but Gallus Racing actually competed in, uh, in, IR, in IRL and yeah. kart at that time. Did it do both? Yeah. Simultaneously? Yeah. Really? I didn't know any teams did that. I thought it was one or the other. Yeah, that is my understanding because so in 96, they had Eddie Lawson and Davy Jones in uh, cart, and then they did the Indy 500 with Davy Jones in 96, and then the, the 96 97 season, they had Davy Jones, uh, who was withdrawn from Walt Disney World. And then they had Jeff Ward do a race, Kenny Brack did a handful of races, and Marco Greco did several races as well. How about that? Uh, in 1996, Eddie Lawson, he finished 20th in the rookie standings. Again, didn't do the entire season. Um, uh, missed the final five races. I don't know if they dropped him or what. Uh, let's look at Gale's that's, racing. That's when uh, Davey Jones took over. So. Ah. But, uh, I Davey mean. Davey Jones and his locker took over. But who was the rookie <laughs> of the year winner in... 1996, Caleb. And question? Yes. Was it Gilles DeFerrin? Wait, no. Alex Zanardi. Correct. Yeah, there we go. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the Greg year. Greg Moore, also a rookie. Finished ninth. So Zanardi beat out Greg Moore in 96. Uh, yeah. Wow. a considerable margin. Well, I mean, the Ganassi cars were on another level for several yeah. years. Absolutely. So <laughs> Post-split um, era. Yeah, wrapping it up with Eddie Lawson. Um, let's see, going through. Um, yeah, just a dominant guy in the 80s in what became MotoGP. Championships 90, 84, 86, 88, and 89. 78 podium, podiums and 127 starts. According to Wikipedia, he, he pursued a career in open-wheel single-seater racing in the United States, uh, competing in the Need Light Series and eventually to kart. In a 1996 season, he competed in 11 races, even though I only count 10 races. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's because I can't count. There are yeah, 11, 11 races. <laughs> uh, this best two best finishes to uh, six places at the U.S. 500 and the Detroit Indy Grand Prix. Uh, let's see. He uh, races in a specially modified super. Uh, what his friend and rival Wayne Rainey. Had uh, spinal injuries, but still races supercarts with them and historic Formula One cars. That's a that's a cool game. Yeah, has a <laughs> Walter Wolf Racing WR4 that he shows out at vintage events. So there's Eddie Lawson. He's from Upland, California. He is still with us, age sixty three. But that is this week's random split era driver of the week. Good stuff, Eddie Lawson, and you know. Didn't even know we were talking about a, you know, in theory, uh, MotoGP champion. What, four-time? Yeah, and I think it's fascinating as we do this because, yeah, sometimes we get guys that we've never heard of and nobody's ever heard of, and other guys that we've really never heard of but had very successful careers elsewhere, and this is one of them. And, in fact, we're going to be talking to one of those guys coming up here. Maybe we are in a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, teaser? Yes, that is a yes, teaser. Is. I'll, I'll save it for the end of the episode here and well, just talking like a minute or less. <laughs> we but, will uh, say, I just I had some time earlier this week uh, and was like, you know what, I'm going to start searching these random Split Era Drivers of the Week on Twitter and finally found one and sent him a message and he responded and he's going to join us in a couple weeks. That's right. First, though, tweets of the week. Just one tweet from Robert Wickens, and it's a video. Uh, he said, working on strengthening my glutes and quads. Hope everyone's looking forward to the weekend. He always looks good very when, good. Yeah, always good when you get an update, and he is getting at it. And, again, the progress continues. And the fact that he's, I assume he's doing all this stuff without some sort of, like, special stimulation thing or you know sure it's uh it's looking promising absolutely keep it up 
And with that, yes. And with that, we will have our special guest coming up in a couple of weeks' time. No episode next week. It is Thanksgiving in America. On America. Yes. On uh, November the 25th. And so we'll be back December 2nd. And we will be joined by Robbie Groff, who has quite the racing resume and has a kind of a unique thing uh, for his uh, IndyCar resume as well. Yeah, he uh, was responded to us and was energetic about talking to us, and um, we look forward to having him on. So a guy that, um, you know, did a lot in uh, in CART IRL in terms of a- activation and Indy Lights, but uh, he broke some stuff down for us and um, looking forward to having him on. So not only will he uh, be the centerpiece of our uh, random split era driver of the week segment that week, but also, is really gonna. I really want to hammer him with the early days of I of IRO racing in the late days of uh, of the Kart World Series when he raced with Bettenhaus, uh, Bettenhausen. So, uh, looking forward to it. All right, that is to come in two weeks' time. Again, off next week for Thanksgiving for Justin Kinney. I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.